You're listening to the Pop Tart Podcast. Girls down. You already know. I feel like there's a lot of unabashed lust in some of these songs. I'm just a chainsaw artist from the valley. But more of a uh, multi-dimension, time travel, universe traveling. I've seen ghosts since I was a child. Toys in Bayland meets Lisa Frank aesthetic. I went face first into the cement, cracked my skull and, and damaged the nerves in the left side of my face. Hello! Hello! And welcome to Pop-Tarts! Me, 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 me. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine, usually from Brooklyn, New York, but now from home in both Manhattan and Brooklyn, New York. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today we have the most amazing guest. When it comes to trailblazing women in rock, you don't get much more trailblazery than Cherie Curry. As the legendary frontwoman of the Runaways, Cherie and her teen bandmates Joan Jett, Lita Ford, Sandy West, and Jackie Fox exploded out of L.A. in 1975 and became the first American all-girl hard rock band to make it big. She put out two studio albums and one live album with the Runaways and created an absolute frenzy in Japan before calling it quits in 1977 with the band. And since then, Cherie has never stopped creating She's put out seven more studio albums as a solo artist and also with her twin sister, Marie, and more recently with Brie Darling from Fanny. And today, as we record this, her brand new album, Boulevards of Splendor, is being unleashed on an unsuspecting populace. It is a total winner. I really recommend that you listen to it. I first interviewed Cherie for Bust in 2010. When her memoir, Neon Angel, came out, it was one of the great thrills of my life. And I'm so excited to be speaking with her again. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Oh, Emily, thank you for having me. Oh, amazing. So today is your actual record release day, Mazel Tov. What is it like to be releasing a solo album in the middle of a global pandemic? Woo! Oh, my. Well, you know, it's just... (laughs) It's like about everything else. It's like uh, it kind of all gets mushed in with going to the supermarket and dealing with, you know, having to, you know, pound your way through the the crowds. And it's all got a little bit of excitement overtone to it all. So life is just good. I mean, even in the middle of this pandemic, it's still good. Oh, I'm glad. Are you having to do things any differently than you normally would? Like, what are your creative strategies for promoting uh, a, an album from six feet away from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got Ken Phillips, who is my PR guy extraordinaire, who absolutely, I could not do this without. Um, and he just kind of keeps everything in order and keeps me sane. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Word up, Ken. All right. So I was very excited to see that this album is actually being put up by Blackheart Records, which is your former bandmate Joan Jett's label. I know you guys have had a long and winding road together. 
How did this collaboration come to be? Was it a result of coming together for the biopic in 2010? Tell me everything. Yes, it did have to do with the biopic. And uh, well, Joan and I, you know, back in like late 98, uh, you know, we kind of rekindled a friendship and um, and Kenny Laguna, her manager, and I became very close friends. And he just believed that there was going to be a movie made, that he was going to make it happen. And of course, I didn't believe it. But sure enough, he he made this film happen with John and Art Linson. And Joan and I were spending a lot of time. I was going to a lot of her shows. And, uh, uh, you know, so... Kenny became my manager. And when I opened for Joan at the Pacific Amphitheater in March of 2010, uh, Matt Sorum, who I who had been kind enough to be my drummer for that night, really saw something that I guess uh, I didn't see. And uh, we were offered a record deal that night by a different label. But Kenny really wanted us to be on Blackheart. So um, we made the record. Uh, with Blackheart. And then, you know, for some reason, just things didn't sync up. The time wasn't right or whatever it was. It kept this record uh, shelf for 10 years, but here it is now. And I'm just so happy to see it finally unleashed. I am too. I spent some quality time with the album uh, and I have questions for you about it. I enjoyed it so much. I totally rocked out listening to it. Um, And it really reminded me of the fact that you've been making music for such a long time. You've been in bands since you were 15 years old. So there's 45 years of musical styles represented on this album. You can, you know, absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but based on my ear holes, the first tracks like Mr. X and Roxy Roller, they sound like magical 70s Mark Bolin T-Rex glam rock. And then You Wreck Me and Black Magic sounded more to me like 80s hair metal. And then moving into Boulevards of Splendor, which you made with Billy Corgan. And Force to be Reckoned With are so 90s to me. They sound like, uh, like rec- Force to be Reckoned With sounded more like grunge and Boulevards of Splendor sounds sounded like perfect Smashing Pumpkins era 90s pop. And then Rock and Roll Oblivion sounded very 2000s with its slick production. And then the, the remake that you did of The Runaways, Queens of Noise is absolutely timeless. It is perfect for now. It's sung by a multi-generational girl gang made up of you and Brody Dahl and the Veronicas and Juliette Lewis. And I was just wondering if this was a whole like intergenerational fantasy that was playing out in my head or if it was premeditated and it was all baked in. Tell me. 
Tell <laughs> me know, about what I was listening to. <laughs> you know what? I wish I could send you out on these inter uh, interviews. For <laughs> That was pretty neat. Uh, you, to be honest with you, I've got to tip my hat to Matt Sorum. He had the vision for this record. I did bring my son into it. Uh, he also played uh, in, in my band, Jake Hayes, uh, when we opened for Joan. But I brought in a few songs like Roxy Roller and Air That I Breathe. But, you know, it was Matt. I mean, Matt brought a lot of these songs to me, like Mr. X, where uh, I love that song right out the gate. I mean, who wouldn't? It was just hard ass kicking rock. Yeah, and, it's uh, heavy. It's real heavy. Yeah. And, and again, I really needed guidance because I hadn't thought of making a record. And uh, Matt just saw something I didn't see. So anyway, he was bringing in all these great ideas and these songs and these great people. Because, uh, look, I'm just a chainsaw artist from the Valley. I, I'm not out there making a bunch of friends in the business, but Matt certainly has. And all of his friends wanted to be involved. So for that, I am eternally grateful. Well, yeah, let's talk about that some more. I, I mentioned a few of the, the collaborators before but it doesn't stop with Brody Dahl and Juliette Lewis and Billy Corgan you've basically got most of Guns N' Roses on this album Slash is on there Duff McKagan wrote and performed you said Matt Sorum produced the whole thing and he's from Guns N' Roses also how did you assemble this team of collaborators and logistically how did you go about working with them all did you just go on tour with Guns N' Roses like how did this happen no. <laughs> well, you see, Matt Sorum had reached out to me when we were in uh, doing the PR. I was, you know, with Ken Phillips um, and I didn't get back to him in time. He wanted me to sing on his now wife's record. And so when I did get back to him, I was too late. And that was when I needed to put this band together to open for Joan. And I had nowhere to go. I didn't know what to do. And I brought it up to Matt. I said, do you have any drummers, friends that might want to uh, be in a band with me to open a Pacific Amphitheater? And again, you know, this, Emily, this is not a small show. This was a big show. Yeah. And, and Matt turned around and said, well, I'll be your drummer. So Matt put together this incredible band for me. I brought my son on board. And, uh, you know, the rest is just kind of history within a, we were offered a record deal that night by somebody else. And Kenny being my manager at the time wanted me to make the record for Blackheart. So within a week, uh, Matt and I were in the studio cutting Roxy Roller with the guys with, uh, with Nick Mayberry, Grant Fitzpatrick and my son, Jake Hayes. So it just started from there and we just continued on and Matt, got me hooked up with Holly Knight and, and Jake and I would go over to her house and do some writing. And, you know, we just, we worked really hard on this record, really hard on it for months. It totally shows. It's, it's very, very solid. There's, there's not a clunker in the bunch. That's oh, what I'll say. <laughs> I don't like clunkers. No. <laughs> and you know what else I really love about it? I feel like there's a lot of unabashed lust in some of these songs. You also had a lot of unabashed lust when you were in The Runaways. How does it feel singing songs about lady boners as a grown-ass woman <laughs> as opposed to when you started at 15 years old? What are the differences about, of singing about lady lust as a 15-year-old as opposed to now? Well, that's where my acting 
comes in. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't had uh, a, a boyfriend in a, oh my God, I don't know. It's been at least a decade now. So, I mean, honestly, that's just good old acting uh, when I'm on stage, but no, I mean, I mean, it's kind of jokey, but not really. Um, hey, you know what? Thank God I still have a memory. I know I still I still feel very young at heart and I still do have those lusty thoughts of my teenage wonder years. I will say that it, it I and I have said in the press, and it does get a laugh, that I, I'm 60 years old. I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be able to get away with hello daddy, hello mom, I'm your ch 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 cherry bomb. I think forever. <laughs> yeah, death forever. You don't well, have to worry about that. You know, and again, you're as young as you feel. I feel great. I don't know if it's a chainsaw carving that keeps me young or I don't know what it is. I, I, uh, I'm really not sure. I don't think you ever lose lust. I, I think people have it till their last breath, to be honest. And I'm surprised that you're not getting it in lately because you there's so many people want to say that they're huge in Japan like you are literally huge in Japan like you are a global superstar you could you could totally have groupies lined up outside your stage door any day it's got to be a personal choice it like, is what's happening oh I'm just not interested I mean I've got I've got things to carve I've got <laughs> uh I like being and I've lived alone for 20 years and now my son Jake he lost his house in the Woosley fire with my oh, no. wonderful ex-husband, Robert Hayes. And he has decided to come back home, and uh, which is really neat. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to be doing this with you, honestly. <laughs> I'm that inept. But you know what? I mean, I just really like being alone. That may change. It's been a lot of years that I've been doing it this way. I guess I just... Um, I just like being able to eat what I want and do what I want when I want. And uh, so yes, that's so just that's... the thing. I guess when I change my mind, uh, maybe the right person will be around. And if not, I'm fine with that too. So. so something else surprising about you is that not only are you a very accomplished chainsaw artist, which you have mentioned, but you were set to release this album in 2016 and then were waylaid by a horrific chainsaw carving accident that almost killed you. What happened and what has your journey been to get to this point where you're finally releasing the album? Well, you know, um, yeah, in 2016, I was doing a carving on someone's property. Uh, and I don't remember the fall, thank goodness, because it knocked me cold. But uh, all I remember was I was up on a scaffold and I was carving the bottom of a, of a foot of a bear. And next thing I know, I into like my... a big block of wood. I was up in his tree is what I was a, a dead standing tree. And I was carving a bear up there. Oh, as wow. Well as I had a whole bunch of different animals. I was I was uh, carving into this tree is what I was doing. And um, and anyway, I opened my eyes and I had ice packs all over my face. And oh, I saw man. this. He happened to be a retired trauma surgeon from Cedar sinai Medical Center. Wow. Which was great. And uh, I didn't know what had happened, but uh, my assistant saw the accident. And what had just happened is that, you know, I I caught an edge, uh, which pulled me forward. I just, it was my fault because I had to get up just a little bit higher. So I jimmied something and my assistant walked away to answer a question, which he shouldn't have done. 
and I caught an edge and, uh, and it pulled me forward, which sent me back. I flipped off the back of this, uh, this, um, scaffolding and I fell on my face, oh, uh, holding that, holding the, the chainsaw out away from me. Oh my and, God. Uh, to keep, to keep the chainsaw from, 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 from me falling on it. So the thing is, Holy is all shit. I know is I went face first into the cement and, uh, and cracked my skull and, and damaged the nerves in the left side of my face. And, and, uh, you know, it's, but I kept that saw away from me and anyway, yeah, I ended whoa. up half, half in a flower bed and half on the cement with a running chainsaw, uh, knocked out. And so the, the, the great thing is, is I don't remember the accident because I think that would have probably, you know, uh, changed my whole perspective. I might've been a little more afraid. So yeah, Thank goodness whoa. for that. That's some wild wow. ass shit. And then there was, I read that you had a brain injury as well. Well, no, I mean I cracked my skull, and it, there was a head injury for sure. And um, but I had facial paralysis from it because when I hit my my forehead, which cr- cracked my skull, and I the left side of my face got crushed by the cement because I had nothing to break my fall. I was holding my chainsaw out. So my face hit, hit the ground dead on. And, uh, you know, so that just set me back. I mean, I couldn't smile. I I could smile, but the left side of my face wouldn't move. And that kind of sent me into a dark place for a while, but you know what, slowly, but surely we get over this stuff, you know, and And nerves are amazing. Yeah. The nerves came back together. It took a while. And I only have a little bit of numbing on the, on the left side of my jaw, but that's it. That's amazing. And you went back to chainsaw carving. And I, I finished the carving I was doing as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, That's great. You're such a badass. It's, it's really, it's amazing. Um, five years ago, your runaways bandmate, Jackie, gave a really harrowing account to the Huffington Post about how she was raped by your band's manager, Kim Fowley, at a party when she was 16. And she said that you and Joan were there that night and she suspected that you two were traumatized by the event as well, having been there. And I wonder if you'd be willing to tell us what your take is on what happened now that years have passed, both since the incident and the article. I know things were, there was kind of a media frenzy around it for a while. I'm wondering what your take is and if you'd be able to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I don't talk about her because what she did was absolutely wrong and false. Uh, She claimed a crime. that Joan and I had committed a crime, basically sitting there, and, and I, I'm I'm not going to go down that road because uh, what I witnessed is not what she claims. So, for me to just say I'm um, thank you, but no thank you, I I'm not going to discuss that. In fact, I I actually don't even bring up her name because uh, she accused me and Joan of doing something on national television that we never did. So she uh, could take a flying leap, as far as I'm concerned. Understood. Thank you for addressing it. You're welcome. I would like to know, Cherie Curry, are you a feminist? I don't even know what that is anymore, unfortunately. I think. Can I tell you what I mean when I say it? Well, yeah, please. When I say feminist, what I mean is that women and men should have all of the same rights and privileges in society. And we don't have all the same rights and privileges in society yet. And so we should fight for them. 
well, that's just a given. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's what I mean when I say that's it. That's just a given. I mean, are, <laughs> really? I mean, I didn't know there was a name for that. I, I mean, I just, <laughs> I mean, don't forget, I mean, I handle a chainsaw for a living uh, and there's very few of us women that do that. So the thing is, is that I, I, I don't want, I don't ever put a name to it. I, I just believe in what's right and uh -huh. I fight for what's right. I don't join groups over it or, or, or stigmatize, you know, the, the, the whole deal. I just know what's right, and so do you, obviously. And uh, so we're all good. Yeah. And also I ask, because Bust is a feminist magazine, and we like to ask everyone. And not again, ev and you have to understand, too, that, that like with the Me Too movement and everything, it morphs into something else. I mean, you know, there's your answer to me because I don't even know what, what a feminist is anymore because it's morphed and changed to a point that I have to back off and go, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I mean, when it goes a little too overboard, you know, uh, which I think has happened with me too as well, then it's just kind of, I, I don't know if I can actually say that I am a feminist. I just know what's right and I know what's wrong. And I will always stand up for what is right for everyone. And we all know that women kick men's ass all the time. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, I mean, we bore them. We hold them in our bellies. We born them. We nurse them. We spank them sometimes if they're super bad. And they are raised because we're great. And uh, when guys forget that, they need to be reminded. That's all. Fair. I hear you. What? It makes sense to me. I would like to know what are your hopes and your dreams and your plans for 2020? And what will you do first once social distancing is over? Ah, oh, well, hopefully I can tour on this record. That'd be fun. Wouldn't <laughs> um, it? I'm carving a oh, cigar so. store Indian that I really want to get finished. This poor guy from, you know, from, Seattle has been waiting on this cigar store Indian for a year and a half now. And uh, I want to get that done. And you know what? I think we're all going to see the world a little differently now. Yeah, and I think sure. that's a good thing. I think we're just even seeing how nice the sky looks and, and how, how clear the streams are and the lakes and the oceans and boy, this world is really doing well without us right now, isn't it? And I think that yeah. that's going to change a lot of people's uh, opinions of, of, of how we, we're leaving our mark on this planet. But you know what? I'm going to go and take a nice walk on a nature trail that we're not even allowed to do now. I'll, I'll enjoy walking down the beach more, that's for sure. Yeah, that's good. my first thing. I can't wait I to, can't go, to, wait to go to the beach. I cannot wait. Yeah. I know one thing that's exciting is that the Runaways biopic that we were talking about earlier is now streaming on Netflix. And so I can only imagine that you're getting feedback on it all over again. What was it like watching Dakota Fanning play you? Did you coach her on how to be Cherie Curry? How did it all go down? I didn't even need to coach her because she had done her homework so well, but I was there. Uh, she came over to my house. We sang together. She is my favorite actor. She had always been my favorite actor since she really? was a little, little girl. 
And um, I look at that movie and, and I think Kristen was amazing. I think Michael Shannon was fantastic. And I'm just so lucky that this movie was made. Um, do I wish, you know, maybe some other stories might have been put in there? Sure. There's a lot of things that we wish, but for a movie to be made about my life and Joan's life and the girls and Kim, I'm, I'm just, I'm still in shock. I still don't actually believe it happened, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, sometimes things are just so big that you can't even grasp it. And that is, and that is one of them for sure. Is there any particular story you wish they put in? Oh my gosh. Well, there were so many, you know, so many that I, I can't even, I'm actually doing the audio version of my book right now, which uh, let me tell you, ta it is a walk down a path that uh, <laughs> even shocks me, you know, because I'd written the young adult version in 1989 and then I wrote the adult version um, in 2009. And now I'm having to speak this, uh, speak it out loud. And I'll tell you, I'm really surprised that I actually survived a lot of this stuff. But how do you wrap two crazy years into mm -hmm. 90 minutes? You can't do it. So finally, I want to ask you a question that we ask everyone who comes on our show. And that is what you watching. And when I say what you're watching, it is a very broad question. We want to know about movies, television, books, music, music videos, podcasts. If you are consuming it pop culturally, we want to know about it. Cherie Curry, what you watching? What am I watching? Ghost Adventures. Oh, I've seen Ghost Adventures. Paranormal, caught on camera. Do you want, like the green screen ones or the non-green screen ones? I don't know what a green screen one is. You know how sometimes they use night vision where oh, like. You know what? Um, I don't care. I mean, I used to think that, 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 that uh, ghost adventures was real dorky, but now it's just Zach's come into his own and I appreciate <laughs> that. And I think that I just don't like the fact that, that he makes Aaron pushes Aaron into the room all by himself. I know it's because Zach is scared to death and he doesn't have the balls, but anyway. <laughs> I also love watching. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to watch Jimmy Stewart's Rear Window. You know, oh, Alfred Hitchcock. So I'm good for quarantine. I'm getting into a lot of the older films as well right now. And um, I'm such that person. I love staring out my window. I call it the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Characters across the street, and I'll be like, "Oh, the TV is on." Right. <laughs> what I'm trying not to do is watch a lot of news because it's. Uh, you know, I don't want to see the numbers anymore. I don't want to see yeah. that because a lot of it just, it's, it's just too, you know, they're hyping it up too much and I'm not, I'm not digging that. Um, it doesn't feel right to me when they're doing that. So I think it's cruel. Um, and I think that they need to, to back off and let us not, you know, fear us to death anymore. So I kind of, you know, I'm pretty upset with a lot of the governors for doing that. But anyway, uh, um, I think we just need to enjoy this time and hopefully this never happens again. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. In terms of the ghost shows, do you like them because you believe in ghosts or do you like them because you think it's funny that other people believe in ghosts? Oh, no. I've, I've seen ghosts since I was a child. 
And I've also known. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, yes, very much so. And um, in fact, my house that I'm living in now is the only house I've ever lived in that did not have uh, active ghost hauntings. Do you think that you are in, you are particularly uh, attuned to paranormal activity? I used to be because I was dumb when I was a little kid. Uh, I mean, I knew I knew at four years old that we don't die. I mean, I just knew it. I was trying to console my mother when we had lost an aunt, and uh, and I was telling her we don't die, and I knew it then. But the thing is, is as I got older, I started playing around with the Ouija board. Not a good idea. And I tell everyone it is not a game. You invite this stuff in and it wreaked havoc in my life. Um, So now, I mean, I don't know what it is, but, but now it just seems to have been very quiet these last 20 years. And I'm very grateful for that. And I will never do anything to change that. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, you've, not been in a relationship in the last 20 years and you've also not had any hauntings in the last 20 oh. years. Are they connected? <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, I actually haven't had any hauntings since, uh, unfortunately when I left my ex wonderful ex-husband, Robert Hayes, there was a lot of activity at his house. He had been in Nichols Canyon. There was a, a, a large, uh, Indian American Indian presence there. <clears throat> so, Ever since I left there, I've been okay. And this house just has always just been clean. I've just been very, very lucky with that. Maybe he had a haunted... I think Emily has a haunted chandelier that she got from some other guest. Oh, I... You know, a fan sent me a haunted clock. I mean, they didn't realize it. It was uh, antique. Shit sent it to me, bought it online, sent it to me for my birthday. And I just got my dog, uh, Layla... And she would look over my shoulder and growl at this clock. And I could feel it. I knew it was, I knew it was that it was haunted. And I finally ended up giving it to a friend who also realized just by looking at it, that it was haunted. And she ended up (laughs) keeping it for six months and it moved things in her house, her poor boyfriend, they ended up selling it. And, but you know, I'm never going to take anything you know, I also went to one of the places Ghost Adventures had gone to in Nevada, and I picked up a a, a stake from a from a little railroad, uh, and that caused a little bit of unhappiness in my house. Oh. So I just don't do that stuff. You know, I live and learn. I learn my lessons. Her clock is from <laughs> what, Amityville, right? I mean, you're all um, oh, right. The, the uh, a former podcast guest bought a chandelier from the house that the Amityville horror is based on. She, it, it was haunted. So she gave or cursed. So she gave it to her sister and then her sister didn't want it. And she and her sister both came on the podcast and I was talking about how I liked the movie. And so they gave it to me and And I immediately got got very, very sick, but I didn't get rid of it. And now it's here, and I have a black cat who likes to sleep next to the chandelier because I haven't put it up yet. It's, like, in a closet, and my black cat just likes to cuddle up to it. That's weird. Get that thing out of the house. (laughs) Yeah, if I were you, I would definitely not. The moment she said she wanted it, I was like, this is a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, once they're in, you know, it's very hard to get rid of them. 
Haunted objects, man. We should do a whole show just on <laughs> we them. We should do a whole show on that. Sheree, it has been such a delight talking to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for taking an hour out of your big album drop day yes, to talk to us. Congratulations on that. Well, you gals day. are so cool. And and thank you so much for putting up with my tardiness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you guys take care of each other. Thanks. All right. Well. Much love to you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Cherie Curry, ladies and gentlemen. She is the greatest. We're going to take the briefest of breaks. And when I return, I'm going to ask Callie. Yes. And hopefully Callie will ask me, what, what you watching? watching? Hey, podcast fans. Did you know that the best place to listen to your favorite shows ad-free is Stitcher Premium? They've got Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine, The Lost Trail, Bitch Sesh, The Fantasy Footballers, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more, all without commercial interruptions. And we can hook you up with a sweet deal. To get one month free, go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code POPTARTS. That's stitcher.com slash premium, promo code POPTARTS. Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via WolfieVibesPublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Uh, essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious, and I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted, and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have docket. We dockets. all have a docket. Sex. Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. Yep. <laughs> Scams. I'm Caitlin I'm Rodney. Smith. And, <laughs> and we, we love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German-Russian heiress, and she seems like she has a lot of money, and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. Amazing. so smart. I mean, so like smart. To, I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. And we're back. Hello. Callie, what was it like for you speaking with a legend such as Cherie? Dude, I wish people could have seen her couch. She had a nice couch. <laughs> she had a great it, couch, very Victorian. It was yeah. just super cute, but then with a lot of like keyboards on top of it, I was feeling that. She's a pragmatic lady. She's Dude, a hard rocking lady. She does not take shit. 
No, she does not. And I'm so glad that we got to talk to her. If any of you out there have a chance to grab her new album, please do. I highly recommend it. It's once again, it's called Boulevards of Splendor. Splendor. And it's Boulevards been a long road. Yeah, it's it's worth the, the trip. Check it out. Uh, all right, Callie, I got to know. I need to know what you watching. So today is more of what I'm listening to because all day while I was working, Camillo had downloaded an app called Radio Garden app. And mm-hmm. it's, you can look up any city in the world and it plays what's playing on the radio there on different <gasps> radio stations. That sounds exciting. So like, you know, it was really good for Zimbabwe because I don't know the language so I can zone the fuck out while I'm reading stuff. You know, it's like, cause you know, like when you're editing or when you're writing, you don't want things with lyrics you can recognize <laughs> cause then you get hooked. And there were so many countries that were banging that were just bops and you could just keep bopping around all over the place and you can you zoom in really it was the best so he's been world musicing all over the house today and i'm not mad about it so zimbabwe was your your bop of choice today today zimbabwe was my bop of choice but there was another one that we got onto that was also really good maybe it was new zealand we 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 were just going all over the place uh, then the Met also has an app. This is a, a video app. And they're doing a free opera every night. My dad is obsessed. He's like, I hope that the coronavirus quarantine never ends. Because he loves watching on opera every single day. Yeah, last night we watched a little bit. Of, it's it's a super long. So just while we were uh, eating dinner, we watched a little bit of the Italian Cinderella. It was amazing. Awesome. What else? Uh, there's this, have you seen this cartoon on Netflix, The Midnight Gospel? No. Well, it's about a podcast. <gasps> oh. But more of a uh, multi-dimension time travel universe traveling podcast. Okay. Illustrated by the dude uh, from the creator of Adventure Time. Okay. And this uh, podcaster comedian named Duncan Trussell. He apparently has a podcast called the Duncan Trissell Family. And so this whole, all the, each episode is a different episode animated of his podcast. So it's sort of like, have you ever seen Party Legends on Vice? Yes. So it's like pre-recorded stuff, and then they give it to somebody and they illustrate it. But the illustrations are insane, very Adventure timey, like lots of multicolored boob creatures, weird shit going on. <laughs> but the guests are like all super, what's that guy? Where is it in my notes? The first one is Doc, Dr. Drew. And that one's meh. But towards episode three, episode three is really witchy and it's about ceremonial magic. And the guest on the podcast is this guy, Damien Eccles, who was one of the Memf- West Memphis. Right. Uh huh. And it's about his study of sacred uh, ceremonial magic and meditation while he was on death row. Holy shit. That's and and deep. then the character that he is in the thing is like this fish that's stuck in a fishbowl and he has like a <laughs> posse of cats that do his bidding. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Yo, you have to watch this show. It takes one and two are kind of slow, but three is really good. And then I, I saw my friend Swoon said episode five blew her mind. I haven't gotten there yet, but apparently. And what's it called again? It's called The Midnight Gospel. And it's on Netflix. You will love it. It sounds good. Uh, have you been watching what they what we do in the shads? What we do in the shadows? You know what? I love that show. I'm not caught up yet, so I haven't watched the new ones. But I'm creeping up towards being caught up enough to watch them. One was three words for you. Three words. Superb owl party. <gasps> all right. They all think they're going to a superb owl party, but it's a Super Bowl party. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather go to a superb oh Al party. I was laughing like that joke really carries. <laughs> That's right up there with like on Arrested Development when David Cross said that he was a a combination of an analyst and a therapist. So he had cards made up that said <laughs> analrapist. Yes, analrapist. <laughs> so like, I mean, they go to the party and they're like. We're going to see. They had a sign that said, Welcome, Owl. <laughs> Welcome, Owls. But only superb Owls. And then they left and they're like, you know, like all this crazy shit happens at the party, of course, because they're vampires at a Super Bowl party. And they're walking home and they were like, that was a fun party, but we never got to see the superb Owl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So I have that to look forward to. I have that going for me. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, Miss America. You're watching. Yeah, Mrs. America. Mrs. America. Thoughts, feelings. Oh, man. I'm learning a lot about Phyllis Schlafly that I didn't know. Same. I knew and, not much about her. And I'm living for the styles. I um, I I didn't know that it was possible to uh, gather that much authentic women's lib realness style in terms of furnishings, in terms of outfits. I'm like, well, you I'm, saw it. It inspired my, uh, get the, I was who wore it best feminists through history. Instagrams. That's right. Was yes. When I was uh, watching the first season, but I don't have a good wig for, uh, Gloria Steinem. I couldn't do that. Uh, they don't either. But oh, I, I, I did debate just putting a long brown scarf over my head. <laughs> and like then a winter scarf over it. A wool scarf and then the glasses over it. I thought that yeah. I, that's probably as close as I could get. Yeah, it's good. I think the acting is great. I love, I love um, Uzo, Uzo Abduba is so good as Shirley Chisholm. That I think was one of my favorite episodes of it. Yeah, it it they're definitely making that shit for us, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan Murphy. You know, though what a lot of like. people hate it because the antagonist is the main character in the first episode, and they can't get past that. But I come on, I'm here for the ride. Yeah, definitely. What have you been watching, Boo? I'm so glad you asked. Um, in a word, trash. I've been watching <laughs> <laughs> absolute trash. Um. Netflix has a new dating show called Too Hot to Handle. Oh, Camilla have you heard wanted of it? me to watch this. Is this, wait, I thought I understood what he was trying to say. Or is it a bunch of people getting naked, but they don't have sex? Or Yes. yes. Right, okay. So the they a whole bunch of people 
were ch- thought that they were going on to like a Love Island style show where you just hang out in a tropical paradise wearing very little clothes and like see what shakes out sexually for the prurient enjoyment of people at home. That's what they thought they were signing up for. And then they get to the tropical location and the host of the series, who's just like basically an Amazon Alexa named Lana, fills them in on the real premise. It's just like a a cone that lights up and she fills them in on the real premise, which is that the show is there to teach horny young single people how to create genuine connections instead of just having temporary hookups. Wait, the light up cone? I think Vince sent me this unless it's, is it a clip? He sent me a clip where like two people are across the table and they just talk and then they have to hit a cone to kick the other person off the show. I don't know. I'm not that far in yet. You may be spoiling it. That was brutal. I don't know what show that was. He just sent me a little shady ass clip. So, so basically they think that they're there and they're like all getting overstimulated with each other for like the first day. And then they find out that there's this pot of money. It's a hundred thousand dollars that they would all get collectively. But if anybody engages in any sexual contact on the Island, including, including kissing, having sex, frottage and masturbating, what about mind the, masturbation? Mind masturbation, I think, is okay. Because if you can come without touching, that's fine, right? They ain't going to know. Right. I would say so. But I there's cameras everywhere. <laughs> I would zen it there. <laughs> you can just think yourself into orgasm. You have that power. Yeah. I didn't know this about you, Callie Watts. You need to write an, uh, an article for it Sex Files about that shit. a lot of focus, shit. and it happens when you have roommates in a dorm. Wow. Wow. I'm glad we took that sidebar. I had no idea. Even you word definitely... a jussie. <laughs> you need to write about that for Bust Magazine. But back to Too Hot to Handle. So yeah, they can't touch themselves or each other sexually in any way. And if they do, there's a fine for each thing. And the um, pot of money goes down each time anybody does it. I'm only for like everybody. So for if everybody. one person can't keep it together, then it's a wrap. Yeah. If one person can't keep it together that like in the, is either the first or the second episode, like a couple was like, fuck it, let's kiss. And then, but they didn't know like what the penalty uh-huh. would be. And then Lana's like, guess what? That cost three grand. So just one kiss was three grand. Like out of the whole pot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only is it like you messing with your own money, you're messing with everybody else's money. And obviously people don't like it when you mess with their money. So it creates tension. And when I was doing some research on the show, I saw that it was they based the whole show on some dumb Seinfeld episode where they were trying not to masturbate. (laughs) Oh, I know that episode, the bet. So, yeah, they you know how that episode is. Elaine ends up fucking one of the Kennedys. Oh, great. Well, maybe that'll happen for someone on this dumb show. I like it. It's a really I good am... episode of Seinfeld. If it's, it better be because they based a whole show on it. There's eight episodes. It's on Netflix. It's called Too Hot to Handle. If you want to see really... And apparently they chose these contestants based on their obvious horniness. So oh. if you want to see really horny people getting hornier by the minute because they're 
trying not to you just fixed an earworm for me it must be because camilla was talking about that show i have had too hot to handle too cold to hold they call us ghostbusters and we ain't because we're in control stuck in my head over the weekend it must have been because of that show there you have it if you watch net too hot to handle on netflix you'll have it in your in your head some more uh the real housewives of new york and beverly hills are both back on bravo and i'm here for it the new york housewives this season are a hot stumbling screaming crying (laughs) drunk petty mess and as usual they all have jobs and none of them are wives so what makes them real housewives and it's not real so they're not real and they're not housewives the only thing that's true about the title (laughs) is that they're in new york they should just call them uh, real people in new york Hot, stumbling, screaming, crying, drunk, petty messes of New York. Because that is what the show is. Even though the show's title is a misnomer, it's great. And it makes me very nostalgic for when we could actually go out and about in New York and go to events. I'm missing it. Drink drinks off of trays and whatnot. They're always drinking a drink off a tray. Oh, Remember when we did that, Callie? I have a, a bed tray. Do you remember when we would go to events and stand near the kitchen door so we could yes. intercept every appetizer? Get the little burger. <laughs> you were a champ at getting the little burger. I liked a a goat cheese canapé. Oh god, yes. A canapé. Right. <laughs> I'd kill for a canapé right now. Yeah, so I'm basically just watching Real Housewives of New York and and daydreaming about canapés. Uh and Logan, Luscious Logan, found this cool channel on YouTube from a group out of Philly called Atomic Cheesecake Productions. Okay. And they they made all of these little short films that are like funny, campy, retro sexploitation shorts. And they're like starring like queer, burlesque, size positive, psychedelic art weirdos. And they're just like all running around and all kind of like wigs and body paint and craziness. My favorite short film was called Horn Quest. And it was about a princess named Pixie Puff who's on a quest to retrieve her magical unicorn horn from like an S&M dungeon where like a villain lives. It's so, their stuff is so funny and cute. If you like sort of like funny, sexy entertainment, that's also just like very playful and cute. And sort of like with a, it's like toys in Bayland meets Lisa Frank aesthetic. Go for it. Oh, that's kind of like the illustrations on that um, podcast show on the oh, Midnight really? Gospel. The, yeah. the, the aesthetics are very porny Lisa Frankie. I love porny Lisa Frankie. That should just be the overall look for I feel like it's my brand. 2020. Oh, back, yeah. My back tattoo brand. Yeah, totally. You have a porny Lisa Frankie tattoo on your body as we speak. Well, I guess it's not porny because they're babies. But, but they're, they're naked. Gonna, but they are nude. <laughs> so yeah, Atomic Cheesecake Productions. Look it up on YouTube and you won't be sorry. that It's really cute stuff. Um, and the last thing that I've been watching is the Majestic Pop-Tarts Patreon page. Yeah. It's live, it's in the world, and we really, really hope that everyone out there within the sound of our voices visits it because we really need your help to keep Bust alive right now. 
And hopefully you'll be very excited by the goodies that we've hooked up for you guys, our listeners. Callie and I, with help from our girl gang, we typed up show notes exclusively for Patreon donors that include links to what everybody has been watching for every episode of Pop-Tarts. Which is up to, I think, 82 now. That's a lot of episodes, you guys. So and if you're running out of things to watch, we got you right now. We got you hard. And we've got totally ad-free episodes there. If you don't want to hear me talking about, you know, whatever it is that I talk about <laughs> in between the interview and what you're watching, there's ad-free episodes there. There's exclusive content Right there, our exclusive episode right now is um, Big with Freedom. Big Freedom. You already know. Me, 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 me. And um, you can check out all of our donor levels at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's where you can find all the info on how you can become a patron or matron of the art. <laughs> and um, it would help us out so much um, if you could throw a few shekels our way give it a shot we appreciate you and that Callie is what I've been watching I love it I'm here for it I would like to say thank you to our producers Jesse Karen and Kate Moldenauer at More Banana Productions of course our luscious sound engineer Logan Del Fuego muy caliente Logan and our Girl Gang at Bust Magazine, and our Patreon producer, Teresa Wilcher. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems and on Instagram at Rems Emily because somebody took Emily Rems on Instagram. Uh, but you cannot find Callie because she is hiding. <laughs> In the shade. <laughs> you can email us both. I'm Emily Rems at Bust.com. Callie W at Bust.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We super duper appreciate it. We super duper appreciate you. And until next time, you can just think yourself into orgasm. You have that power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>